Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Today's question, where did our primary process come from? Now, there's no such thing as a perfect democracy, but the Founding Fathers decided that a system of government where voters elect officials to represent their interests was the best option possible. Preventing the unchecked powers of a tyrannical leader was really the point of what they were trying to do. Even so, elections can be flawed. Now with more revelations from the Mueller report, it includes new details about Russia's interference in the 2016 election. There are worries that a cyber attack could influence voting results in November. Civil rights groups are suing Kemp for putting more than 53,000 voter registration applications on hold, mostly from minority voters. There has never been so big a popular vote victory, but ultimately trumped by the Electoral College. Significant hacking vulnerabilities for computerized voting machines with little being done about it. And while 231 years of peaceful transition of power from one president to the next is seen as a testament to the Founding Fathers' foresight, there are many aspects of politics today that they could not have predicted. One of the big themes really is how divided this nation is. What started out as hyperpartisanship is now like a virus that has gone across the country. Vectors of disinformation that were very much a part of electing the president in the first place. Among those things they couldn't have predicted, formation of the two-party system that dominates American politics today. I'm Amy Walter, host of Politics with Amy Walter from The Takeaway. This is How to Vote in America, a podcast from WNYC Studios. The primary process is not outlined in the Constitution, and it's gone through several iterations since the 18th century. So where did this primary process come from? For the first two, two and a half decades of the American Republic, presidential candidates were nominated in Congressional Caucus. Elaine Kmark is an expert on primary politics and a senior fellow at the Brookings Institution. Then between 1831 and 1972, the nomination system in both parties was basically the same. State parties would have caucuses and conventions. And at their conventions, they would elect people to send to the national convention. And the national conventions would gather in a big city amid smoke-filled rooms, and they would pick a nominee. There were almost no primaries during this period of time. And even the primaries that there were, were not binding on the delegates. So they were really just beauty contests. The process that parties used to select candidates today came about as a result of a chaotic 1968 Democratic convention. To call it a turbulent time in American politics would be an understatement. I shall not seek and I will not accept the nomination of my party for another term as your president. Dr. Martin Luther King, the apostle of nonviolence in the civil rights movement, has been shot to death in Memphis, Tennessee. Intense fighting both on the ground, inside the buffer zone, and in the air sends Vietnam casualty figures to a new high. Senator Kennedy has been Senator Kennedy has been shot. Is that possible? Is that possible? All that tension came to a head during the Democratic Convention. In 1968, the Democratic Party had a really truly terrible convention. It was filled with dissent both inside the convention hall and outside the convention hall. And the party was really split in half over the issue of the Vietnam War. 
Many Democrats wanted to elect a more liberal candidate, but a few things got in their way. Before the 1968 primary, there were many instances where a presidential candidate would win the primary in a state, but the delegates from that state would go to the convention and they would vote for somebody else. Sounds crazy, but it's true. Primary results didn't always mean a whole lot. In 1968, there were two anti-war candidates, Senator Eugene McCarthy and Senator Bobby Kennedy. And McCarthy, for instance, would win primaries, and yet that state would send a delegation committed to Hubert Humphrey, who didn't even enter the primaries. So people thought that was very unfair, and they thought that the primaries should be binding on the delegates to the convention. Hubert Humphrey was vice president to Lyndon Johnson. When Johnson announced he wasn't seeking re-election, support shifted to Humphrey. And because powerful party leaders chose the delegates, the scales were tipped in Humphrey's favor. We stayed in the streets, and we did survive, and if we can survive here, we can survive in any local community in this country. Outside the convention, the anti-war protesters were literally in a battle with the Chicago police. And that convention has often been referred to as the first police riot uh, because of the viciousness of the attacks on the protesters. Inside the convention hall, the few delegates that were elected for Gene McCarthy and Bobby Kennedy were in a standoff with the Lyndon Johnson, Hubert Humphrey folks at the convention. And People were thrown out of the convention. People were prevented from being seated at the convention. It, it was it was a real mess all the way around. Take your hands off of me unless you plan to arrest me. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. It was a disaster. After the Democratic Convention of 1968, the Democratic Party established a commission to help reform the nomination process. That commission was known as the McGovern-Fraser Commission. What that commission did was it set in place a series of rules that had the effect of dramatically increasing not just the number of primaries held, but it made those primaries binding on the delegates from that state. And that was an enormous change from the earlier systems where the primaries really kind of didn't matter at all. So control moved from the party elites at the conventions to the voters participating in caucuses and primaries. Ever since, the Democratic Party and the GOP have had similar nominating processes. But for the GOP, Mostly there are primaries, not caucuses. Their candidates are usually bound by state law and sometimes by their national party law to vote for the person they were elected to represent. Uh, The basic difference is that the Republican Party uses more winner-take-all systems to award delegates to candidates, whereas the Democratic Party uses nothing but proportional representation systems. Caucuses are where state parties arrange a date and time for party members to gather and debate the merits of candidates seeking the nomination. The majority of states use primaries. During a primary election, voters choose a candidate by casting private ballots like they do during a general election. But here's the deal. Determining who gets what number of delegates is the end goal of both caucuses and primaries. Now, over the summer, delegates gather during national party conventions to officially nominate a candidate. But usually that's more of a formality than anything else. The heavy lifting has already been done by primary voters. This year, however, with so many Democratic candidates potentially splitting the vote, 
the primary season may end without any Democrat having a majority of delegates needed to clinch the nomination. That would make the convention anything but a formality. And that's how the primary process works. Now you know. Thanks for listening. More on how to vote in America next time. And bring your calculators. It's going to be all about delegate math. How to Vote in America is produced by Amber Hall and Patricia Jacob. Our engineers and sound designers are Vince Fairchild and Jay Cowett. Alexandra Botee is our editor. Polly Arungu is our digital editor. Hannes Brown composed our music. And Lee Hill is our executive producer. If you like this podcast, do us a favor. Leave a rating and subscribe. Tell your friends as well. Thanks. See you next week.